Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. We hope you are doing well. I know it's not exactly an exciting time to be a Roma supporter. Uh, we're fully delved into our misery Again, we will get through it, though. We hope that this can bring you a bit of levity. Um, we're working out our frustrations here in a way that I hope you are, too. Um, we will get through this. There there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Um, very packed episode today. Uh, but real quickly, though, have to thank our newest patron over at Patreon, Mallory Dirigi, who you can find on Twitter at MallyChicago. That's at M-A-L-L-Y Chicago. Mallory, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Again, all of our patrons, without your support, this wouldn't be possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So before I bring on Andy, I was joined by Sonia Misio, who is an Udinese supporter. And she is also the co-founder of Unusual Efforts, which you can find on Twitter at Unusual Efforts. I had to get her opinion because it obviously had been a number of years uh, since uh, Udinese defeated Roma at the Olimpico. So I wanted to get her an opportunity to talk about the match, her thoughts, and also we talked a little bit about where Udinese are at this moment because they're sort of languishing bottom of the table as they've been the last couple of years. Wanted to get her opinion on the club. And then I bring on Andy as he and I discussed uh, the loss to Napoli. So uh, let me first bring on Sonia, who you can find on Twitter at Sonia Misio. And again, she is the co-founder of Unusual Efforts. And then immediately after our conversation, I am rejoined by Andy. So uh, let me bring on Sonia right now. All right, everybody. Sonia is with me now. So Udinese have had one victory in roughly six months. So it would be remiss of me to not give her this platform to dunk on us because I like to think that we suffer quite a bit, but I would assume her suffering is probably close to what we're enduring, at least to a certain degree. So Sonia, dunk away. That was, I, I can't even explain that. I'm still shocked. I mean, not to pull who's the bigger sufferer out here, but no trophy since 1896 on the side of the mm. table. So, <laughs> you know, um, that all? Yeah, I know, right? Um, Friolano's, there's a saying saying that uh, Friolano's only happy when they're miserable. So Udinese, they're, they're, my, they're my team through and through. But in all okay. honesty, it was a good game. And I don't know if it was because we've sort of been deprived from football for the last, you know, three or four months and it's just starting to kick back. But it was actually an exciting game. And that's not something that I can say a lot for Udinese. I mean, you know, the, it... it you guys got off to a bit of a rocky start with a appalling red card. I mean, there's no, there's no, you know, no excuse for that. Yeah, oh, like yeah, that's a red card every day of the week. I was watching um, the replay earlier this morning, and I actually gasped out loud. And my partner came in to check on me because he didn't know what happened. My reaction was so visceral, so not great. But at the same time, you know. We also once beat Juventus at home as well. So we have this tendency to do the upset that kind of ruins the game for everybody and doesn't have mm. any benefit or advantage to us at all. Okay, so the thing, my immediate reaction afterwards was almost one of, it, it was one of those things that was just so painful. You, you just had to laugh mm -hmm. um, because Udinese, the manager, Gotti, he has basically been saying for a year now he has no interest in taking the job full time. Mm -hmm. And he has been saying like nonstop, I'm not taking this job. I'm not taking this job. I'm not taking this job, blah, 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 blah. I like being a, a assistant manager. And here he goes out and pulls off something that I don't think they've done Udinese in almost a decade. Um, they needed that to avoid. I, I thought in terms of like avoiding the drop, I thought you know, in terms of confidence boost, I don't think there could be anything better than that. Mm -hmm. um, so where are you with your team at this moment? Because they have a manager who doesn't want to be the full-time manager. I would love to hear your opinion too on the Potsos. Um, because on my other podcast, I have said, I wish they started caring more 
about Udinese as they did previously, because now it seems like all the love has spread the spread over to Watford. Oh, 100%. I mean, at first, a lot of Udinese fans were kind of excited for the Watford, not partnership, but the Watford brotherhood, maybe is the better word. I mean, sure. it didn't work in Spain, obviously, but we have the younger Pazzo taking over Watford. We thought that with the EPL money and kind of more eyes on everybody, that would really started helping to benefit Udinese. I mean, it was just coming off the curve of like the Di Natale years, the 2011-2012 Europa runs. Like we thought this would kind of be our next wave sort of, you know, second boost. And all money and all effort has gone to Watford for, I mean, really no reason. It's not like they're doing stellar in, in England right now. Right. And honestly, I mean, the Pozzo family, they're a bit of a mystery in the sense that no one really seems to want to be there and doing what they're doing. I mean, Pozzo married into the Udinese family, which I don't know if a lot right. of people know. And so it just seems like he's he's just going through the motions and the heir apparent of his his son didn't step up in Italy. He, you know, he was educated in Spain and then went to to England almost immediately. That's where all the money and the focus is going. They even tried like this whole rebranding thing. And it's it's just so frustrating that, you know, Udinese seems to be like the forgotten, you know, stepchild. But at the same time, the amount of money and effort they're putting into things like social media, their marketing, um, the new stadium, the fact that they have, you know, the Udinese store at the actual stadium, which is a bit of a rarity in Italy. The fact that they're putting all this money into things that don't matter and the things that would matter if you actually had a good team, it's 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 bizarre. Like they have, and Roma aside 100%, but one of the best social media um, accounts, especially for an Italian language social media account, they don't have a huge international following. So, you know, that's not really a huge English thing, but like they put so much effort and care into it. But for what? I mean, right now, yeah. the only news I'm looking for in Udinese is to seeing when they're going to sell Lasagna and DePaul and Fofana. And, and like, I'm, I'm looking to see when they're going to start selling people, not once caring who they're going to buy. Well, the stadium, too, I think. OK, so admittedly, if people travel over to visit Italy, mm -hmm. um, I would assume Udine is not typically on. Um, the travel tour? I mean, biased aside, it's a kind of cool university town. Like okay. It is. So that's exactly where I was going with it. Oh, so okay. hold on. It, no. Um, okay, so I'm from Asiago. Nobody ever goes there either. Like, <laughs> So I have, I have sympathy for sort of like these smaller sort of towns. Mm -hmm. um, I love what they did with the stadium. And once they did that, I thought, okay they're really going to start putting more of their effort and care into it. But it seems like once they redid the whole stadium, which is great, by the way, um, if you haven't seen, I mean, you can see it on the television, obviously. Um, aesthetically, it looks a lot better than what was there previously. Oh, um, for sure. But it is a very nice stadium. But Yeah, and I would like to say everyone made fun of us for our Lego seats. And oh, now that yeah, there's, I love that. Yeah, now that there's no one in the stands, those Lego seats really work well. Oh, they do. Yeah. Aesthetically, it's fantastic. They're perfect. So, yeah, the Pozzos, I'm very confused with where they are with all this because it's like, why dump the money into the stadium? If you really didn't care, they did this thing with the stadium. Great. But then I feel like they are really skimping out on the team. I mean, what is it over this last decade? You mentioned in the early in the early part of this decade, 2010, mm -hmm. 2012. Fantastic. I mean, just Google everybody if you're not familiar with Udinese at the time. My God. Um, was it one thing or was it just them slowly starting to shift their focus? Because I don't know. Once they acquired Granada, once they got Wofford, it just seemed like a real shift. And do you think that's a money thing? Because, listen, you don't have to be an accountant to realize Premier League versus City A. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear where a lot of <laughs> where you're going to earn a lot more. I understand that. Um, but as you just said, it's not like they've taken Watford to the Europa League or have done phenomenally well in England. So I guess I'm just curious as to 
what your opinion is as to why that is. Because historically, Udinese has performed significantly better than any of the clubs they've owned. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I think, I mean, one thing is they're obviously stretched too thin. I mean, I don't know if they thought or they realized how big of of a machine it would be to have a team in the Premier League. I think that kind of took them by surprise. But I think the other thing too is that it's it's like they've done everything right except for the team. Like on paper, if you looked at Urnese as, as a business, they're checking all of the boxes except mm. for I guess their employees, which is kind of the big thing. And I just think, I mean, probably should have Googled this earlier, but like, I think Pozzo's in his 80s or something like that. And he's still at the helm. Don't know, again, how much he wants to be at the helm. Um, they're doing everything right in in the, well, right, I put this in quotation marks because this was a big deal of renaming <laughs> the stadium in, in Udine and whatnot. Like, they're getting their sponsorship deals. They're, you know, they they have their online store where they're selling cloth masks with the, with the, um, badge on it like they are doing everything right it's just not transitioning to the team and they have gone through I mean I'm I'm making this number up but it might actually be close to being right in the last 10 years they've probably gone between 10 to 15 managers honestly (laughs) and I think they're if I feel almost and this might be the very northern Italian way that if nine things on their list are a pluses and one thing's an f minus It'll still sort of all balance out, except your F minus <laughs> is the one thing you need to have at least a C in. So I think the longs, I guess the the what I'm trying to get at is, is that this is almost like a perfect case study for business school of like how to really mess up your business and how mm. focusing on the wrong thing is really going to be detrimental. While things might still be running smoothly, it's at the end, it's it's almost like a house of cards. Like it's all gonna fall apart because let's say they do get relegated. Let's say they move into Serie B and then eventually Serie C and moving onwards from there. What happens? How do you claw your way out of that? I mean, looking at even just Italy in the last like five years, teams that get promoted into Serie don't stay up because they don't have the resources and they don't have right. have the means to compete with you know, even the mid-table mediocrity that is Syria. You can't always have like, like these dream sort of Cinderella stories that you're seeing with like Atalanta, how Udinese used to be, even Sampdoria to some extent. Like once you get to that drop, it's so hard to claw your way up. Oh, I completely agree. So do you have any fear? I could probably answer this for myself. You probably do worry. <laughs> um, because I, I feel like, because I, I literally had this conversation on a, on a podcast two weeks ago about Udinese. Um, it almost feels like a drop would be a real, it, it could go one of two ways. We either see it happen to, um, we saw it happen to Parma, right? They got relegated from the city, and you have financial issues, and they, they restart from the very bottom. Um, but now they're in a much better place than where they were previously. Do you think something like relegation would sort of be like a wake-up call to Udinese? something that could in the long term benefit them. I, I just I hate to see them being in this weird like th- this very weird spot that they're in. They're just okay to be where they are. They're okay with mid table when I mean in the early part of this decade they were one of the focal points of the league. So to see mm-hmm. them sort of languishing like this between like 15th and 17th is just sort of painful yeah and i think that's kind of the biggest like sticking point is that even last season one game or or two before the end we were pretty much in the drop zone or or at least flirting with being an actual contender and then we finished like somewhere mid-table and everyone kind of went back to sort of resting on oh don't worry about it everything is fine and I've talked about this previously that I think Serie B would be kind of what I would be hoping for, to be honest. I don't think mm-hmm. they're not a Serie A team right now. Um, they don't deserve to be really in the position that they're in. I mean, their most recent game. Sorry, did I stop recording? 
Nope, Hello? you're, oh, you're okay. here. My um, sorry, my computer went on uh, sleep mode. So, um, oh no, 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 you're good. We're good. Okay, I'll I'll start that again. Um, especially after the game this previous weekend where they were up to nothing and drew two two. It's it's insane how how terrible they are and how no one seems to worry and no one seems to really care i mean don't get me wrong you have udinese fans on forums and you know in in on social media and they're yelling and they're screaming and whatnot but at the end of the day no one in the club is listening no one is going to start you know making any changes People thought that, you know, after the Alexi Sanchez and and um, Handanovic years, once once they were sold, that we would start rebuilding the team and kind of filling those gaps. And we've just been getting more and more gaps. And Portanese has been pretty much the luckiest team in the world, if, if I can give them that title, because they do find these players like the Lasagnas who have come out, the DePauls who have come out, and they have these sort of like pieces that hold the team together, but it's never enough. And it's not like Udinese are necessarily looking to build teams around them. They're looking to build the team around them for one season so then they can sell them off for the biggest you know, price tag and then put that money into Watford. Honestly, it's insulting to fans. It's insulting to the team. And I think something needs to change. And if it's not us being relegated um, to Serie B, it's maybe Pozzo should think about selling the team and i think a lot of people would be happy with that he was the hero in 1986 when he bought them and you know kind of pulled them out of obscurity and built everything around them but you know so that's now a distant memory like you have to start moving on unless he has like another son he can give the team to or a daughter and have them build the team up but there's just there's no love there and i think that's the hardest part to watch that it's just sort of business as usual. Everything kind of goes through the same sort of slog and there's no there's no passion and there's no fight. There's no anger. You know, you have owners who are very outspoken in Italy who will say what how they feel about their club and like how many sound bites can you pull from Pozzo in the last five years? <laughs> right. Yeah, I yeah, I can't even recall a single thing. Um, yeah, it, it's I hate seeing them languishing like that. And you and me both. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, we all have our teams, but everybody likes seeing the league thrive. And we all have memories even like of a decade ago of when certain clubs were better. I mean, I, I still feel like Atalanta should be in Serie B. It <laughs> confuses me as to how they're doing this. Um, so, yeah, I I truly do sympathize with you because I feel like a lot of Roma supporters from this perspective can definitely relate because we're dealing with a guy who many wish he he would sell the club in his own right so Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's a mess all right everyone you can find her on twitter at sonia misio she is the co-founder of unusual efforts at unusual efforts on twitter sonia thank you so much thank you of course talk to you soon Hello, everybody. Andy and I are back. It is after a third loss in a row, third consecutive loss for Roma, as they fall to Napoli, 2-1. to one. Andy, there's a lot of things we can take from this one. We can concentrate on individuals again. We can concentrate on the manager. We can talk about how in the last 72 hours, there's rumors of a Spalletti 3.0 in the works. There's a lot we could go to. Um, let me start off with the thing that irks me most. So Roma, again, they lose 2-1. to one. And Paolo Fonseca, in his post-match press conference, goes on to say that he was encouraged by the performance. This wasn't anything like the loss against Udinese or the loss against Milan. He liked the player's attitude. And at first I thought I misheard him. Then I actually went back to the print version of it. And he said that. Um, I don't know if we were watching different games. I don't know if maybe he got a little too too um, too liberal with the Sangiovese before the mm-hmm. match. 
But I don't know what he saw. <laughs> but if it wasn't for Paulo Lopez, I'm sorry. That match isn't even close. It's three or four to one. So I don't know what he saw that would be even remotely positive from his perspective. I saw nothing. What about you? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I I don't know what I saw. I, I it, To be honest, I expected much, much worse. But as you say, if Paulo Lopez wasn't there, this game is going down. Um, but what really saddened me is that he he said, you know, we had we grabbed the result. You know, we we were we competed against a really good team. Mm. This is the the same team that you beat the crap out of in, uh, in what six months ago. Um, uh, you this is this is a team that you dominated through and through and uh, in, in that performance, you know, with with Clivers go and Pastore. A recovering a record a record number of balls and 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 Cetin grabbing that last man foul in his first start and probably the only one for this team and um that's that's the worst part about it is that we come from straight it's three straight losses but against teams that we won against consecutively six months ago um and and uh, w- wait, not even it's it's more than six months ago. Still, um, it just shows you that the Roma that we're seeing right now has nothing to do with the Roma that sort of was hanging on there, um, and and actually looked like they were in the run for the Champions League spot uh, along with Atalanta. Now they we look like. You know, uh, there, I don't see much difference between uh, Genoa or Brescia um, and Roma. Uh, there really is very little difference because this team uh, just makes so many mistakes. I, I mean, Napoli, truth be told, they weren't even that good this no. this time around. It, it was it was just every time we would we would we would we would you know shoot ourselves in, in, in the foot every time we had the ball we if we were going forward um the best you know probably every time the the, the roma player would stop and instead of actually launching the ball forward they would stop look back pass the ball sideways or backwards and that was just so infuriating because you have a team that is completely you know undisciplined uh, lacks uh, basic IQ, a footballing IQ. Um, they're un- uncoordinated. When 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 three guys on the right flank move, the other one doesn't see them, doesn't pass the ball. You have midfielders who are unable to shoot. Uh, yes, I'm looking at Pellegrini, who oh. you know, again, 24 years oh. old, but he 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 can't he can't shoot. John, he, he has the same shooting foot of Kevin Strotman after post injury. Um, and 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 you know and it's how many times have we seen that? How many times Roma could have capitalized uh, on a on a piece of action that saw Pellegrini receive the ball and with a with a chance to shoot? And time and time again, either it was a weak shot, either it wasn't a shot at all. Uh, too many times we've seen this. This is a team that just is is not really a team and and you know and if i have to say who who the talented players are i really have a hard time pointing fingers um this is you know mediocre uh mediocre coaching uh mediocre uh, you know words said after in the post game conference um it just we have to be better than this but this is you know if if this isn't rock bottom then i don't know what is this is terrible. Um, and I, I, so again, I, I think with how bad everybody is playing, we, we you lose sight of how bad some of these individual performances are. So I think there's a few that I want to concentrate on very quickly. Let's start with Pellegrini. For me, okay, so the shooting was bad. I don't know how many times he turned the ball over. I feel like every time he had the ball at his feet, the action died oh, for, with first him. First fifteen minutes, first fifteen minutes, I think he touched like five balls and he he lost eight of them. He was terrible, and I think I've been pretty clear with my feelings on Pellegrini. Hated him in the 2017-2018 season. 
not a Metzala. I decided to eat crow the following season, to, or last season, I guess we would say, 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. because he clearly found some sort of role. But I think we're at the point now with him where it's either he has to show something more or this is just who he is, which is a very inconsistent, a very limited midfielder who can't play in a midfield three. I guess we could say he could play behind the striker, but he offers very little to no goal-scoring ability. Not something you look you look for in a number 10. Ideally, you'd like them to have some sort of nose for goal, right? So I think we're at the point now where we have to, or he has to, I guess is a better way to put it. He has to figure out who he is because he is really a midfielder without a role. Because what we saw yesterday took me back to 2017-2018 with him when he was atrocious. Remember how excited we were when he returned? We thought, okay, you have yep. Strootman, you yep. have... After uh, that year at Sassuolo, and, right. and you know, we thought that Di Francesco is there, he's going to help him. Yeah, and we thought he could easily fill in without issue for Strootman, maybe Nangolan. But when you put him as a central midfielder, he is so flawed, um, you almost start to feel bad for him because he is just so limited in what he can do. And again, I think we're at the point now with him where he has to either show something far greater than what he has or he has to move on. And I think you, I don't know if you tweeted it or said it in our in our patron group chat, but If somebody, let's just say hypothetically PSG, they come to you and they say 30, 35 million euros, pick out the number. I don't know what your, what your quote unquote number is, but I'll settle on 30 million. Okay. Well, let's say PSG, they come to you and they say 30 million euros for Pellegrini. If you would have asked me this seven months ago, I would have said, absolutely not. I was wrong about him after his first season. He's absolutely developed into something, but he has just fallen down into a crater his form and I don't really know what he can do to vastly improve our opinion of him the thing is with Pellegrini if he's not giving an assist he finds it very difficult to impose himself right on the action on the play his work rate it's either he's giving assists or he's giving nothing and you can't have that from a modern midfielder you you just can't have that if you're not giving assists. You sound like you're describing Totti in his last year, well, where <sighs> had it not been for his, you know, passes and assists, uh, we wouldn't have felt his, his his presence at all. Well, that's the thing with Pellegrini, and okay, it's one thing to see that from a forty-something Totti. It's different for a twenty-four-year-old Pellegrini, who should be entering the prime of his career. I mean, he's in the prime of his career. 24 is no longer young in footballing years. This is a guy who is in the middle of his career and he has to either show something quickly or he has to get out. And I I know that probably sounds harsh, but I really don't know what you do with him. I really don't know what you do with him because again, I was happy to eat crow after last season say, you know what? This guy absolutely has something. But now again, I keep thinking of that match against Fiorentina in December. We saw him give those two great assists. And then for like yep. three months after that, do we remember? He was a ghost. He Gone. disappeared. Mm-hmm. And that is what has happened. Remember, he ha- we return. He has the, the, the wonderful assist to Jekyll in the match against Sampdoria. But what has he done since then? He, he just cannot impose himself. So where are you with this whole Pellegrini thing? Well, I'm yes, I uh, you know I said it in the, our Patreon group chat uh, quite explicitly that I really do not care um, if we sell him because at this point I f- I see a player that in order to be good the whole team needs to be good around him. He's not, he doesn't seem like a player who will carry you. He doesn't seem like a player who can stand out despite the team. Uh, you know, not not being up to it. He's he, he doesn't seem like the player who can make uh, the difference by by himself. And by this, you know, we when we talk about players like Nangolan, 
when Nainggolan was in his best years at Roma, even when the team was shit, he was the one carrying the team on his back. Um, same with Strotman in his prime. Remember when Strotman yes. before the injury, Roma would go on spells where they were not good at all, but he was phenomenal, and and you could see that he had something in him. And 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 had it not been for injuries, Strotman would have gone on to be one of the best midfielders in the game, in my opinion. Um, and Pellegrini is, you know, one of those guys that gets celebrated a lot. You know, he gets to talk about how he's a fan of the team. Um, he gets to be put in that group of young players who are supposed to be the future of the Italian national team. But so far in a team that has struggled to find consistency, he's one of the main culprits at not finding consistency in his own uh, playing time. Um, because, yes, he, he last year he went on uh, some pretty incredible runs despite injuries. Um, but but this year it's it's been a roller coaster and more often than not he's been a, a a ghost and when you start asking yourself what's he really good at and where is he really good at then you you know you have a problem we talk about Cristante not finding a role uh, Pellegrini I think has been afforded too many t- uh, m- more times than not Pellegrini has been afforded uh, you know a, a consistent when he when when Di Francesco found out that he may be able to play as a trequartista, he kept putting him there. You know, he 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 got to play there, and 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 he spent time there, and it was it was going well. But now it's you. Whenever there is a problem, and Roma, for example, have injuries, they have a long list of injuries, and you have to play him in in the back two or back three. He's atrocious, and and he is not able to 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 really impose himself. Uh, you know, be be Roma's hero in the time of need. No, there is no such thing, and that's the most disheartening thing: is that you're supposed to see a player that is in his prime, and he gets to show you what he's really good at. But we're not getting it from him, and I seriously can tell you, and I think a lot of people will agree that Zaniolo, after 175 days uh, of being injured, seriously injured, show, showed more, not you know, obviously more than anybody in this team. But if you have to, if if it comes to you know picking and choosing whether you sell Zaniolo or Pellegrini because they're young and they're promising, I'll always pick Pellegrini to be sold. That's it. Yeah, again, I I think if it comes down to that, I don't think anybody would argue in that regard. Some of the other players I think we have to at least discuss. Clivert, man. Mm. Another one who you either see flashes of brilliance or you see nothing. And last night was below nothing. I felt like when he came off the pitch, (laughs) it it, it felt like... Fonseca almost like raised a white flag for him or something because he was unwatchable, terrible. And mind you, this is a guy who, when he first arrived, do we remember? He he sort of pulled the thing Schick did, how he said, oh, I dreamed to play in Barcelona at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy will be lucky to play for uh, Everton. Know, Udinese at this point in his career. Oh, okay. Because okay. I, I honestly don't know what he brings – to the table, he's another one that I, I just, I don't know. what It's like, what are we doing here with him? Well, well, you know you have a problem when, when in, in, uh, you know, you see people saying, oh, well, but he, he made that run for Mkhitaryan's goal. You know, he cleared the way <laughs> for Mkhitaryan's goal. Wow, that, what a highlight. I'm, I'm sure somebody is already making a YouTube video out of that. Um that that's that's the problem is that more often than not with a with a player exact you know as Clivert who I think is in the, has the same problem of Pellegrini who you know there is a lot of talk and you see that he really can make a difference sometimes and he really has something but that something is just not enough in the long term and and Clivert has that same problem and I'm looking at Clivert and I'm seeing a player that can be easily sold and easily replaced right now. I completely agree, and I think that sort of paves way for the next thing, Fonseca. So 
James Palotta, in his infinite wisdom, gave the kiss of death to him via <laughs> Twitter three days ago when he says, I have absolute trust in Paolo Fonseca. Mind you, this is two or three weeks after he gives this very extensive interview, more or less kissing the rear end of Fonseca, saying, oh, the club is so lucky to have him. I hope he remains here for a long time. Eerily reminiscent of the things he said of Rudy, uh, Rudy Garcia when he said, oh, I think Rudy Garcia is uh, the Sir Alex of Roma. I think he was gone Jeez. in about nine months after he said that one, which is great. What did we do, man? Oh, <laughs> so once you know Palotta gives you the public backing, that is more or less the kiss of death being put right upon your forehead. I think Fonseca has been, particularly since the restart, has been dreadful. I think he's gotten everything wrong. The only thing I'll give him credit for is going to three at the back yesterday. They looked better, but that's not saying much considering how bad they looked against Udinese and Milan. So now we're hearing, uh, just today we've seen Pochettino. That's not happening. Uh. We've seen... Spalletti 3.0. Now, if there was anything I would bet my money on, I would put my money on that in a heartbeat. Now, the only way that happens, in my opinion, is if (laughs) Palotta leaves. Spalletti and Palotta did not get along at all. And if all boomers die. Yes. But, however, there is notably one person no longer at the club that could potentially help or would be a case for Spalletti returning in the form of Francesco Totti. Where are you with Fonseca? Because if you would have asked me this a few months ago, I would have said absolutely not. Um, Even if they miss out on Champions League, I think he has at least shown enough to warrant giving him another season. I understand the people who say, Roma, they change their manager every other week. Uh, They can't be doing this. We need some consistency. But you don't want consistency just for the sake of consistency. Uh, You want consistency with somebody who is obviously good at what they do. I don't know if Fonseca is good at what he does. I don't know. At this moment, I am very down on him. Um, I hated everything he had to say about the match yesterday. I hated it. I want him to light a fire under the team. He doesn't do that. And I can honestly see the appeal of Spalletti 3.0 because... Champions League uh, semi-final aside, if we look at this period of the last three years, it really felt like it all ended when Spalletti left, no? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I <laughs> listen, I think it's unfair to to sort of this, you know, question um, uh, Fonseca's capabilities. I think he, he has, uh, you know, um, he has a lot of great qualities as a coach, and uh, he, I think he's likable. And he, despite what we're seeing, I think he's a coach that demands respect. But uh, he finds himself with with a team that, you know, if there is there, I, I'm also of the same mindset that you need to light a fire under the team because this is, you know, this is not acceptable. But there is a point, you know, there is an extent to which you can do that because then you find yourself uh, the players that he has at disposal. And I think the best example of that is when Smalling came off and you have to put on Fazio, um, who cost you the game uh, amongst many other players. But it, it's it's that it's that simple is that. And I said it on Twitter as well. I was talking with somebody, and and I said it that we both agreed that this Roma team for another season is not going anywhere, no matter who's you know who's coaching it, because there is there are just some players that you can't work with anymore. But Roma are forced to, because in any other team, players like Fazio, players like Kolarov, uh, Perez, Perotti, they they should shouldn't be anywhere near. Uh, you know, the starting 11. And instead, we are bound to rely on them. And, you know, you you say, okay, well, you take off Smalling, who's really not good at, you know, playing with his feet, um, and you put on Fazio's, you know, that's probably the only good thing he's good at, but he's slow as hell. And he has a history of recently making stupid mistakes. And 
there you have it. And um, to me, you know, I'm a big fan of Spalletti. I was always, um, maybe to the dislike of many people, I was always on his side in that whole debacle with with Totti. I think um, Spalletti did what he had to do. Fuck it. He he got you know he 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 managed to pull us through uh, some pretty rough situations. He made mistakes. Um, he he had flaws. He had you know a questionable uh, character in some instances. But he's a great coach and probably the only true superstar coach we could afford in in our long history, or you know at least in our recent history of since Capello, I would say. Um, and uh, so I, I would always be for a return from him, especially because I love the way he left Roma with that, with that speech of, you know, of, uh, garba questa cosa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Tuscan accent. I love it. I, I, I would give anything to see him back, but at the same time, I think Fonseca is just, is, is one of the many victims of a nasty situation. And for another year or so, until those awful, awful contracts are still there and you're not able to truly make a team that, that you want to have, then there's going to be problems. Obviously, as a coach, he, he needs to realize that, you know, he must work with what he has. Um, we saw, you know, a semblance of a system, as I said earlier, in, in October, November, but now it's gone. And now it seems like every game we approach it the same way as a friendly, which, you know, okay, maybe it is. Maybe this, is this you know, continuation of the season is utter bullshit and we should not be doing it. We should not be playing anymore. But we have to. And, and this team, you know, okay, we switched to back three, great, but did I see much of an improvement in terms of play? I really don't know. Maybe we were more, uh, maybe we were more defensively organized, which is still not a good thing because Napoli really this year are not that great. Even under Gattuso, um, they are they do have a fire uh, under their asses, but 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 you know it's it, to me when. <laughs> It, it, this team is just not good enough. It's that simple. And when you are a coach, no matter what you do, if if the team is not good enough, you can't really make too many miracles. And at Roma, a team notorious for lack of miracles, aside from that incredible night against Barcelona, uh, this is you know this is more the rule than the exception. The thing with Spalletti is he's always going to be. People are going to have strong opinions about him one way or the other. Um, obviously, right. the yep. way he left, I'm not a fan of it, but. I was at Trigoria the day he left, and when he took the microphone, he took a microphone, or I'm sorry, a loudspeaker, and he, he shouted Forza Roma as he left for the final time. Oh, and <laughs> it was, Siamo in I don't know. And when he drove out, when he drove out and, and it'll be the days before, and there the journalists were asking him, are you leaving, are you leaving? And he's like, oh, we're in, we, no, Siamo in Champions, Siamo in Champions. <laughs> <laughs> And if you really want to depress yourself, look at some of those teams that he had in 2016, 2017. It feels like a lifetime ago, and I don't know what I would have to sacrifice from my personal life to get that team back, but I would be half tempted to give some sort of significant limb because... Yeah, and but just to be straight, you know, that team made a, an awful lot of mistakes, and they did. you know, we oh, we they did, we, they did. We cra- we crashed out of the Coppa Italia and Europa League in a matter of two weeks. But 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 if we have to take this mess uh, and and look at the team that we had and the individuals that contributed to the success of that team, you know, we are always picking that team over this one. For sure, for sure. So. I guess the next logical question is, really, what now? Because Champions League, gone. Europa League, barely hanging on at this point. Part of me says that, you know, forget the Europa League for next season. Just punt it, have one, uh, worry about one competition Mm. next year, and, you know, see what happens. I guess, where are you at with this? I I mean, the season seems over. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I yesterday I completely gave up on any hopes of I I actually I'm I'm fully prepared to miss out on the Europa League um the even the 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 thought of potentially winning the Europa League now is something that um is more reminiscent of someone hallucinating on LSD than anything um <laughs> 
this this team is in no position to actually go out and play decent football in on the European stage. And as I said, if we have to go on another year, especially with you know Palotta perhaps hesitating to sell, you know, not not getting the right offer. Then we're looking at another year where we have still have the same shit players. We have Fazio, who's you know whose contract expires next year. Juan Jesus the same. Perotti, I believe the same. Kolarov still here. Uh, Bruno Perez, who knows? And so Kalinic, who knows what happens to him? What happens to Jeko? I, the mess that could take place next year maybe is you know the good a good reason. Um, and and maybe a, a fine excuse to accept the fact that maybe we'll miss out on Europa League. And, you know, after all these years of getting to the Champions League or to the Europa League, maybe this is what we really need to finally, um, to finally, you know, rid ourselves of, of, of some of the bacterias that are, that are, have been hanging on to this team for years. And even though Florenzi left, Clivert just made a social media post what was Florenzi's famous line? Andiamo avanti a testa alta. Yikes. Clivert. Um, oh, and he did it on Instagram too, so that makes it even better. Um, it's like Florenzi yeah. never left. The confirmation. Yeah. It's the end, man. This is the All end. All right. Well, before we go, you wrote a very long piece about an influential person in Hollywood who many people might not actually know who he is, but if you heard some... Of right. his music, you would recognize him. He's somebody who has had a massive influence on all of cinema. Somebody who is very close to Sergio Leone, a director that we spoke about a few episodes ago. It's Ennio Maricone, who unfortunately passed away today at the age of 91 years old. 91, 91, yeah, 91, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, probably the the people that are not, you know, movie buffs or um, geeks or whatever, they probably know him from from most recently from a lot of Quentin yes. Tarantino movies because uh, Tarantino, being a fan of old movies, especially movies that not many people saw. And um, he found pieces of, of music from from certain movies, like uh, you know, like the Tarantella from from Inglorious Bastards, the the one that goes, mm, 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 mm. yeah, that's that's from an old Italian movies from the seventies that nobody basically saw. But Tarantino, you know, he picked out those sounds and and put them in his own movies, and I think that. You know that makes a, a whole generation connect with Ennio Morricone's work again. Um, this is the same guy that makes made the incredible music for Sergio Leone movies, so spaghetti westerns and uh, Once Upon a Time in America, and uh, uh, you know The Untouchables, great movie. The Untouchables by Brian De Palma, which you know, yes. and, and so you have always he was one of. I, I find him incredible because he's one of those people that by doing what he did, he elevated whatever work he contributed to. So Sergio Leone movies were incredible because because obviously they were spaghetti westerns and there were a lot of spaghetti westerns at that time. It was cheap B-movie stuff shot in Spain because they didn't have enough money to go and shoot in Monument Valley. So they settled for, for Spain or Italy and uh, and and so it, they all looked the same. They all sounded the same. But then Leone, you know, he had this childhood friend and said, OK, make music for my movies. And they started this duo collaboration where you watch Sergio Leone movies and they're incredible. Yes, because of the direction and they're slow and they take their time. And the characters are just this, these nasty, grisly characters that you haven't seen in any Hollywood Western before. But the music, the music is what really makes it. And, you know, as we say, uh, even, even Once Upon a Time in America, it's special because, yes, it's four hours of Robert De Niro, you know, wandering around New York City, thinking about his past as a gangster. But it's also because of the music that really brings you the nostalgia and and. That's that's the most incredible aspect is that he he took the work and he raised the level of it to a point where when you heard his music, everything else was not good enough. 
and you know he was he was a big Romanista since childhood along with Sergio Leone and um, may they, may maybe hopefully now they're together making new music making new movies somewhere else um, and yeah it's it's just such an incredible talent wheel and um, I'm I'm glad that people now are sort of reconnecting with with this work thanks to Tarantino. Yeah, and his music was the only good thing about Mission to Mars. I don't know if anybody has ever seen <laughs> that movie, incredible. but it was awful. Yes, yes, yes. Brian De Palma. I don't Absolutely. know what happened there. Yeah, <laughs> awful movie. Awful, awful movie. Gary Sinise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Don Cheadle. I Jerry O'Connell is in that. Too. Yes, Don Cheadle is in that too. <laughs> Terrible movie. But music is great. So, yes, you will be missed. Um, again, a guy you probably never knew by name, but you certainly have heard his music at least. So, um, that is where we will end it. We will be back. Oh, I don't even know who they play next. That's how pathetic this is. <laughs> um, we've gotten to the point where I, I can't even. Uh, it's, is it Parma? I can't even keep this straight anymore. It's Parma. Oh, yeah. At home on Wednesday to Parma, yeah, then away to Brescia. Home against Verona. Home against Inter. Away to Spal. Home to Fiorentina. Uh, away to Torino and then away to Juve and depending on your outlook on this entire thing that is when the death march yeah, ends pretty sure we could get some decent results with our patrons playing instead of our truly this is I don't know if it's worse that there's eight matches left I, I don't know if it would be worse if the season ended now and we'd have to live with the you know having lost three more matches in a row or the prospect of playing eight more, it's just alarming. And then the Europa League games, man. Oh my! If there are God. games, if, um, if there is more than one game, and which I really don't believe there will be, but still, I mean, if if we're looking at another four games of of just atrocious football, then, ugh. Yeah, good way to put it. Okay, everyone. We'll be back after the match against Parma. Bringing you your... We will get through this. of depression. Yes, we will get through this. We will get through this. So until then, take care, everybody. Ciao. Ciao.